You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the privilege of opening the Bible and opening and studying your word. We ask you to draw near to us. We ask you to open our eyes to truth. We are your children. You've given us warnings and entreaties and and encouragements and uh, various forms of, of Scripture to open our eyes to the truth. So we pray that we would heed those warnings, we would heed those admonishments, and that we would uh, be safely in your plan, that we would not stray this way or that way, that we would not be deceived, but we would study to so, show ourselves approved, and that we would understand your truth and surrender ourselves to it. We thank you for your great hope, for the great love and the great joy that we find in Jesus, and we ask your blessing in his name. Let everyone say, Amen. All right, so we saw, I'm just going to do a very quick review of yesterday's topic, and uh, it'll be very brief. But in 2017, research found that, do you, do you remember what percentage of Americans believe in New Age? 62%. And I didn't do the deeper research on that, but I almost guarantee you that a certain percentage of those people are probably also believing in Christianity. You understand? There's a huge crossover that's taking place, and that gets more and more and more. But as you'll see today and throughout the week, God has called us to separate from those things. In addition, we saw that in the 1990s, does anybody remember how many proclaimed witches there were in the United States? How many? About 8,000. How many in the year 2022? More than 2 million. That number has exponentially exploded in the last just two to two and a half decades. And uh, pretty much it's been the same throughout history. But in the last days, it's increasing. And the words of Jesus today in Matthew chapter 24 are becoming true, are they not? False Christ and false prophets would arise. And not just those being false Christ who claim to be Christ, but those who claim to know the future, those who claim all the attributes of God, those who can communicate with the dead, those who can tell the future, those who have the ability to contact the spirit world, and we know what the spirit world is. What is it, friends? It's Satan and his what? And his angels, the Bible says. All right. Oh, look there. So they're going to have to keep up with me in the back. We're on slide 7 of 86, so you can jump to that. And uh, there we go. Amen. So we saw that the birth of modern spiritualism was, yes, as some people would say, in the 1800s with the Fox sisters, but also in in even more modern times, the more uh, deep occult practices were really invented by Aleister Crowley. And he developed this statement, do as thou wilt. And uh, you can go to the next slide. And he believed that... uh, he, he used this term magic, and, and the K on the end of that is not a mistake. The word magic, as we spell it today with just a C, the people who are in that type of activity, they view magic with a C as just like little tricks, like card tricks and those type of things. But the real stuff is spelt with a K. It's very interesting. And he believed that that we should uh, embrace the imagination and glorify the will. 
And we know that the will in the issue of the great controversy is a very big subject, isn't it? It's a very important piece of whether we are going to be saved or lost. And we also looked at the Boston Globe and uh, we found that there are th- several things that they, that they embrace and that they hang on to as a reason that they practice this. One is to be empowered and two is to have what? Control. Control over what? Control over myself. That myself, I'm my own God and I will decide for myself what I am going to do. Oh, perfect. Oh, you just stole my clicker. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So we asked the question, what is spiritualism? And spiritualism has many definitions, but we saw from the Bible this great controversy that's taking place in the world today, in the, in the realms of the news, in the realms of Hollywood, and so forth. And we saw that there's this great battle between good and evil. We know that as Seventh-day Adventists. And that's being seen everywhere. In many Hollywood movies, you see this issue of the great controversy being played out. And as I mentioned yesterday, even lines, even statements being made that are from books like The Great Controversy and others that only Adventists understand and know. But the devil understands them. The devil knows them. The devil understands prophecy. He studies prophecy more than any Seventh-day Adventist on the planet today. And he knows what his fate is. He knows what is to come. And yet he's still pressing upon the world these things. <clears throat> and what's very, very scary is that the, the uh, oftentimes these false concepts and the things that God has forbidden occultism, sorcery, magic, those types of things are presented in an innocent, fun, appealing way that often makes that which is wrong and bad seem like the victim or something that is actually very good. And the devil has a great way of making those things which God has forbidden for very good reasons to seem cute, innocent, and fun. How many of you have seen that to be true in the world today? Many people look at it... as I was doing the research for these presentations, I was coming across multiple websites of Christian theologians and Christian leaders who would take the very things that I'm talking to you about this week and say, really, there's nothing wrong with them. Just the other day, one was defending Harry Potter, saying, you know, the, the difference between Harry Potter and real occultism is that Harry Potter is a fake, is a fake story. So therefore, it's okay. Friends, How can we discern these things? If Satan was able to deceive Eve in the Garden of Eden, and she was unfallen, and had all of her intellectual power, she had more access to God Himself, if He was able to deceive her, if He was able to deceive a third of the angels in heaven, what makes you think you're going to stand up against Him on your own? You understand what I'm saying? It ain't going to happen, friends. Try to click it. <clears throat> All right, let's see. Let's see what happens here. Is it working? Oh, look at that. All right, so I'm going to close my computer so I don't get confused. All right, let's back up. There we go. And so we saw right from the Garden of Eden that spiritualism was born. Remember the lie of the devil? God said, you do this and you'll die, but I'm telling you today, you will what? You will not die. And, and, and that issue goes far beyond the state of the dead, you understand. It, it's the setting up of self as a small demigod, you see. It's the setting up of self as the one who would rule your own self. And we saw from the Bible yesterday 
that man was completely and inherently dependent upon who? Upon God. <clears throat> now, if you look at a relationship today, an unhealthy, abusive relationship, and one or the other, either the man or the woman, is inherently dependent upon that person, what is that typically? Is that typically healthy? It's not typically healthy. Because in that type of abusive and toxic relationship, the person loses their individuality. See? And Ellen White actually talks numerous times in, in addressing marriages and other things. She says when the marriage vows are taken, husband, the husband or the wife is not to steal the other's individuality because God has created us with that gift, you see. So in creation, although humanity was completely dependent upon God, we still maintain what? Individuality and the ability to be our own person within the realms of what's healthy and wholesome as God created us. I can say amen. You know, many people today, they, they're dyeing their hair. And I'm not talking about dyeing your hair normal colors. I'm talking about exotic colors. Piercing themselves and do it. All the ladies were like, boy, you better watch it, right? <clears throat> no, no. And some of you men too, right? Now, if you just all be like me, as Paul said to Agrippa, if you could just be like me except for these chains, see? This will help you. No, I'm just kidding. And so, and so people are doing all these crazy things because they say, I want to be different. Well, the reality is, is that the weird stuff now is not what's different. It's the norm. It's the norm. And now if you want to be different, you just act like a person was years ago. But everybody still acts like they're in the minority when they're not. And the appeal that I always make to young people is just live as God created you to live. You don't need extra stuff. You don't need tattoos. You don't need jewelry. You don't need all these things. All you got to do to be who you really are is live like God created you to be. Because that's who you really are. You're not all these other things. You are who He made you to be as a son or a daughter of God, and that's all you need. Who needs more than Jesus? Amen? All right, so man, we saw these four truths. Man was created to rule over nature in the authority of God. Yes? Man was not to worship nature. He was to rule over nature. He was to subdue the animals. He was to oversee the planet Earth. He was not to worship nature, but nature was a gift to mankind from God. And we see in modern spiritualism and occultism, often nature is worshipped or it is manipulated. It is sought to tap into what is perceived the power in nature to make some desirable outcome in my life. See, Secondly, man was created to rule over himself in the power of God. Not with his own power, but with the power of God. Thirdly, he was ordained to worship God as the Creator and know that he had no power in himself, and he was created to look into creation and see that the same power God used to create the world was at work in himself. So the bottom line was, it was all about whose power? It was all about God's power and not our own power, yes? We see that Genesis 3, the birth of sin and the first act of disobedience reversed all that. So instead of man ruling over nature, man began to be ruled by nature. His carnal nature. And he began to be ruled by his carnal nature on the inside and began to worship nature on the outside. See that? 
He became a self-god and worshipped himself and will be ruled by no one else, not even a benevolent God. And so that's the nature of rebellion of man, which is essentially the foundation of spiritualism. Now man worshipped the creature rather than the creator, and he believed the power came from within. How many of you hear uh, books and statements and, and, and all kinds of programs today, the power is within you, right? Advertisements everywhere. Well, the only power that is in you without Christ is the power of sin that corrupts your heart and destroys your life and causes you to be eternally lost. Some people say, well, I don't, I don't feel good about it. Well, because you're not good. But God is good. And He can put His goodness in you. And His goodness will make you good. But truly, there's nothing good in you. And, and, and we try to convince ourselves that there's something good in us. And the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? It's just the facts. People say, I want to go to church because I want to feel good. Well, the only way to feel the peace of God is to go through the narrow gate of repentance for your sin. And you must feel bad about your sin before you can feel good about the Savior. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. People just don't want to feel bad. They want to recognize their sin. That's been the fault of humanity since the beginning. The devil led us into sin and then said it's really not that bad. You don't have to feel bad about it. Just sweep it under. God forgives. You're good. Well, God does forgive. So the most baseline and fundamental form of spiritualism is any form of disobedience. See? We think that we will arrive at some higher place through exercising our own will rather than choosing God's will. Believing our own words rather than His word. And lifting up ourselves rather than lifting up Christ. In doing so, we replace the God of heaven with the God, little g, of self. Those are my own words. I just wanted to make sure I said it specifically. See? So we think about spiritualism, and we think about witchcraft and all that. All of that stuff is just the fruit of the root. See? The root is disobedience and rebellion towards the God of heaven by choosing our own way and our own will. So guess what? You're all, including me, we all, are guilty of what? Spiritualism. Because we're guilty of disobedience. And uh, Paul tells this in Romans, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. In other words, the power of creation is still evident in the world today, isn't it? So we have no excuse being understood by the things that were made, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. We need just simply to look into nature and recognize there's a God in heaven. I mean, my goodness, you look at the birds and the flowers and you see all those things, how beautiful they are. You know, evolution needs no beauty, you realize. There is beauty is an absolute waste in the idea of evolution. Because all it needs to do is function, exist, and recreate itself. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be efficient. It just has to do a thing and exist and reproduce itself and it's good to go. Yet you see organized, symmetrical beauty all throughout the world and it's evident. You just have to look and have some little bit of common sense and a little bit of thoughtfulness and you're going to realize this stuff didn't come about by itself. Then he goes on and he talks about the corruption of humanity and it says at the end, man worshipped and served the creator, uh, the creature rather than the what? <clears throat> rather than the creator. Do we see that in the world today? What do you think? 
all through down through the Bible, you see it. All throughout the history of the Old Testament and even into the New Testament, which we'll study tomorrow, you see it. And people are always attempting to replace themselves. And God says that those things were examples for us who are at the end of time. So should we take notice, yes or no? If it's for us who are at the end of time, is it still a deception today, yes or no? Yes. That should be 1 Corinthians. My friend corrected me this morning, and I didn't have time to change it uh, in the last minute when he told me. So that's 1 Corinthians 10. I apologize. So we see it happening in the world today. Wicca, which comes from the Anglo-Saxon word wicke, and means to bend or shape nature to your service. I mean, that's exactly the stuff we were just talking about. You have occultism, which is the worship of nature, trying to tap into the universe for hidden knowledge and mysterious forces. Neopaganism, which is, you know, really that's like the ancient Scot and Irish. That's those, those Celtic beliefs. That's all neopaganism. And it's being rebirthed today, worshiping nature and the gods of nature. So exactly what I'm telling you happened in Genesis has happened all the way down through time, and it's still prevalent in our world today. How many of you would agree with that statement that I just made, right? Now, what does God say about this? In Deuteronomy 4.19, He says this. He knew what was going to happen. Deuteronomy 4.19, And take heed, lest you lift up your eyes to heaven, and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, and all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. God said the pagan nations that you're coming out of. They're worshiping uh, the sun, the moon, the stars. The Egyptians, they were worshiping frogs and snakes and creepy crawly things. And God says all these people are worshiping those things because they do not really grasp the, uh, or understand the concept that I'm the one that made them all. See? I'm the one that made them all. If, you, if I were to say to you, I'm going to give you a car, and I can say, I'm going to say you can have a choice. And you say, I'm going to give you a car. It's going to be perfectly debt-free. I'll pay the taxes you'd have to pay by receiving a gift. It's totally free to you. And I held up a Matchbox Ferrari. How many of you would be excited about that? Well, I'll tell you, my, six, my 10-year-old son would be. Amen. But you would know, man, what a joke. Or I said, you can either take this, or I hand you a key to a brand new 2023 Ferrari with the color of your choice. How are you going to be happy? God's saying, why are you playing with the matchbox? Well, you can have the real thing. Amen? You can have the true power of God. Not just visible in the world, but active and engaged in your heart and your life. I can give you a new heart. See, the greatest... The greatest reality of creation is not just that God made the world, but that God can actually recreate a heart, a human heart, a sinful heart. Because when He created the world, He created it from what? Nothing. So it was like on a par level. But when He creates, recreates a human heart and delivers it from sin, that heart was actually not from nothing. It was in the negative, you see. You understand what I'm saying? It was, actually the, it was actually worse than nothing because it's all corrupt. And God says, I'll bring that heart out. And that's the whole point that God's trying to get across. All these people in the Old Testament, 
doing these pagan practices, worshiping snakes, worshiping false idols, burning, uh, making uh, altars to all these bales and all these things. God says that is the matchbox car. But you can have the true power of God, the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. You can have that power living in you. Who wants the other stuff? Now all of you are saying, well, yeah, that's right. All these pagans, they're just lost. Some of us are pagans. We're watching this garbage in our homes. All this stuff today, some of the stuff you don't even know. I'm going to show it to you on Thursday. You don't even know what's going on. Some of the stuff you think is Christian is actually spiritualism and some of its obvious forms. And so don't set yourself... Paul said, take heed, lest you what? <laughs> don't think I'm exempt. Don't think it. Because you're not. We've got to be searching our hearts all the times. Paul says in Corinthians, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. See? There ought to be a constant heart searching for these things. I'm not trying to beat us up. I'm just saying, we just not, we need not um, develop the sin of self-righteousness. Amen? Let's keep going. <clears throat> I'm going to go on here. The common denominator in the act of worshiping nature and using spiritual forces to get results. It's the ultimate manifestation of the form of self-exaltation. I'm going to move on. And uh, many people think that in the world today, we don't have a choice. Amen? But we do have a choice. Notice this. Steps of Christ, page 47. Many are inquiring, how am I to make the surrender of myself to God? You desire to give yourself to Him, but you are weak in moral power and slavery to doubt and controlled by the habits of your life. Your promises and resolutions are like ropes of sand. You cannot control your thoughts, your impulses, your affection. The knowledge of your broken promises and forfeited pledges weaken your confidence and your own sincerity and causes you to feel that God cannot accept you. How many of you have ever felt that way before? I've felt that way a number of times. But notice what she continues to say. But you need not what? How many of you think that's wonderful hope today? You need not despair in the worst place of your life where you feel like your life is out of control and you have all these things. You need not despair. What you need to understand is the true force of the will. This is the governing power of the nature of man, the power of decision or choice. Not willpower, power of the will. There's a difference. Power of the will is the choice that I can make to yield myself to God and receive His power to overcome. Willpower is looking to myself from within to find some form of power to overcome. There's a wide difference. In fact, the difference is eternal. Amen? So I'm going to come, I'll come back to this. You can choose to serve Him. You can give Him your will and He will work in you. There was a girl in South Africa when I was preaching there and I had preached on this subject actually. And she came to me at lunchtime. She sat with me at the lunch table and she said, I have an addiction to uh, these spiritualistic video games. And she says, I play Dungeons and Dragons and all these types of things. And she said, "For your sermon really convicted me. I thought it wasn't really that big a deal, but I see from your message that I'm on the devil's playground. I'm in direct contact with Satan and I need to be delivered from this. And I want Jesus to save me from it. I said, do you choose to exercise your will to follow Jesus? Are you making a choice to yield yourself to Him in this area? She said, yes. In other words, Jesus asked people the same question. Do you believe I can do this for you? 
right? Remember before He would heal people? Do you believe I can do this for you? Uh, and, and He's asking them to exercise their will, their power of choice. And she said, yes, I believe that. I said, go to your room and get the games and bring them back to me. She went. Her friend, her friend went. She brought back a couple of games that were on a CD disc. This was a few years ago. Back when, before games were digital and all that. And I said, give me the game. And she went like this and she said, I can't. <clears throat> I said, no, g give it to me. She said, I, I can't. I, I cannot. And I, her hand was shaking trying to give it to me. I said, do you give me permission to take it from you? And she hesitated. Finally, she said, yes. I reached out and grabbed the game and I, and I had to pry it out of her hand. And I said, now you know what I'm going to do with this. I said, this represents the power that the devil has over your life. You know what I'm going to do with it? She said, you're going to break it in half. I said, you got that right. I said, do you give me permission? Do you still give Jesus permission to have, give you victory in your life? She said, yes. I took that disc and I cracked it right in half. And let me tell you something. I won't ever forget it. I saw a visible physical change in that girl's face. There was a darkness there. And when I broke that thing, she gave Jesus permission to give her power. Her face physically changed and she was vibrant and it looked like a light from heaven was shining on her face. I'm telling you, this stuff is real. It's not a joke. And video games are some of the worst things. We'll talk about that Thursday. What does the Bible say about contacting the dead? I am not looking at the clock, just so you know, but I will be done in time for the 11 o'clock presentation. We got messed up in the beginning, so I'm not responsible. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that I may take five or ten minutes over. All right, what does the Bible say about contacting the dead? Go in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Now, you understand that contacting the dead is associated with all the forms of spiritualism, whether it's a cult or whether it's witchcraft or sorcery. It's all stuff in the same boat. It's just cousins to one another, okay? But Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 9, the Bible says this, When you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow the abomination of those nations. God says there are nations around you and they're doing all kinds of stuff that I just don't, it's not just that I prefer you not to do, but those things are what? Abominations. That means that it's the worst kind of stuff. He says, there shall not be found among you any who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. I mean, that was a major element of the ancient world is that they would walk through hot coals trying to get the attention of the gods. And as Pastor Gallimore said yesterday in his seminar, there were always two systems. There is the works-based system of me trying to do something to get the attention of God. And then there's the grace-based system of that God did something to get the attention of me. What did God do to get my attention? He died on the cross, didn't He? He died on the cross. So, not through the fire, nor one who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. By the way, it's the second time he said that, abomination. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. <clears throat> For these nations which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But notice what he says. 
But as for who? You, the Lord your God, has not appointed such for you. How many think that's just a marvelous thing for God to say? He says you are different, you are separate, you are distinct, and you are not called to follow those things. Just like we're not called to eat unclean foods because they're not even food. Some people argue, well, what, if, well, what about if the pig is raised this way or that way? No, like it's not, it's not a matter of if it's this or that because it's not even food. It's not given to you as food by God. So it's, man has considered it food. God has not. And the same thing with this stuff. Man has considered it okay and innocent and this and that, and we can do this form of it and this form of it, and as long as we're not doing this or that. And Christian leaders today defending that stuff, God says, it is not for you, and there is not a comma after that part. There is a period. In any form. It is not for you. Now, what was God doing here? Number one, in verse 9, He was giving them something better. What was He giving them? He was giving them the promised land, number one. Number two, He was giving them Himself. Amen? If you are receiving and experiencing the power of God, the power of all of this other stuff is not greater and better. The difference is this. With the power of God, you have to be submissive to His will. You with me? And many times, you have to wait on God to do the thing that He promised to do. But we get impatient. And these things allow me to see a display of power when I'm ready to see it. When I want the reaction. When I want the result. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying here? Disobedience is believing God's will over, I mean, my will over His, my words over His, and my way over His. And many times we fall into disobedience in the waiting time. Because we want to see something now, and when we think it ought to be now, and it's not now, then we move ourselves into a position to do something out of line with His timeline or His ways, you see. And that's what He's addressing. So, He's not just addressing the wand, although He is, but He's addressing a deeper issue. He's saying, I'm giving you Myself, but you're going to have to operate in My ways. But in the long run, what's going to be better? Seeing the power of God in your life or seeing the power of some magic trick? You see what I'm saying? Now you can apply that however you want to because it goes much broader than this topic. Secondly, God was calling to give up, I had a typo there, give up something not ideal to have the something better. See, many times to get the thing that God wants to give you, you have to give up the thing that you're hanging on to. Yes or no? And you cannot receive something from... how. What's the only way you can receive something from God? With an open hand. And if you got your hand around something that's not what He gave you, you can't receive anything else. you got to open the hand and drop it. More importantly, open the heart. 
But the hand is a symbol of the heart. Open the hand to receive what God. That means dropping whatever it is that's not ideal. He asked them to give that up in order to receive the better thing. Number three, the Lord made no allowance of any form of these things. He caused them an abomination. There is no exceptions to this. People are trying today to excuse this thing and that thing. There's no exception. Number four, <clears throat> he intentionally he is intentionally repetitive throughout Scripture on this topic. I'm telling you, this topic that we're studying this week, God gives as strong a warning about this as He does anything else in Scripture, including the mark of the beast in Revelation 14. I mean, it's strong. And it's strong because it didn't disappear in those times. It is, in fact, as prevalent and I would say most likely more prevalent in our society today than it was even then. And we claim in this age to be refined and educated and above all those primitive practices of primitive man. But my word, we're just as primitive and as paganistic in our society today as we ever have been before. It's just a little prettier and a little more sophisticated. That's all. Through movies and television and all those things, right? I mean, you look at some of the, <clears throat> some of the pictures of the ancient pagans or even some of the modern day pagans doing their rituals with groups of people standing around the way they paint themselves up. And then you look at some of the sports fans in the stadiums. And if I mixed them up like this, you couldn't tell the difference. People used to gather in the Colosseum to watch people slay one another. They may not be killing each other today, but they're beating the fire out of each other in the stadiums. There's no difference. No difference. Number five, he makes a distinction between his people and those others that practice these things. He says, these things are not appointed for you. You are God's people, and he expects them to act as such. All right, let me read a, a statement here. This is from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 684. If you see that little pen there, you know it's a Spirit of Prophecy quote. Notice this. Nearly all forms of ancient sorcery and witchcraft were founded upon a belief in the communion with the dead. Those who practiced the arts of necromancy claimed to have the intercourse with departed spirits and to obtain through them a knowledge of future events. This custom of a consulting the dead is referred to and the prophecy of Isaiah. When they say to you, seek unto them that have familiar spirits, should not a people seek their God? The de uh, defecation of the dead was held as a prominent place in nearly every system of heathenism as also the supposed communion with the dead. The gods were believed to communicate with their, their will to men and also when consulted to give them counsel. Of this character were the famous oracles of Greece and Rome. This same uh, belief in the communion with the dead formed the cornerstone of heathen idolatry. The gods of the heathen were believed to be the defiled spirits, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the deified spirits of departing heroes. Isn't that interesting? We still do that today, don't we? Thus, the religion of the heathen was a worship of the dead. This is evident from the Scriptures. In the account of sin uh, of Israel, Beth Peor, it is stated Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called out and bowed down to their gods. The psalmist tells us to what kind of gods these sacrifices were offered. Speaking of the same apostasy of the Israelites, he says, they joined themselves unto Belpeor and ate the sacrifices 
of the dead. That is, sacrifices that have been offered to the dead. Isn't that interesting? And so this practice of communicating with the dead is still practiced today. Notice this. Leviticus 19, verse 28. He says, You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. And it's very interesting that in the ancient days, much of the tattoos were in remembrance for those for the dead. And they would etch little markings on them to remember them, and they would look at that and they would say a prayer or they would do some form of worship or some act of worship. And today, many people are doing the same thing. Notice he says, don't make any tattoos for yourself for those who are dead. But you know what people do today. They have a loved one that dies and they put it, and everybody, again, everybody says, oh, well, that's okay because they're just trying to remember their loved one. They're just giving a memorial today. There are many ways in which to honor those who have passed before us and, re- and, and keep reminding of their memory. It is not that God wants us to, doesn't want us to mourn. It is not that God doesn't want us to remember them or have a memorial for them. But He wants us to do it in a healthy, wholesome way. Not in ways that cross over with practices that are very tempting uh, and deceitful. You see, that's the difference. And so, but what we want to do, but the, the mantra of society today is we want to do whatever we want to do. However we feel, that's how we want to be. See? And if I want to do this, then who are you to say that it's wrong? Well, God says it's not ideal, not because He's trying to be a strict tyrant, but because He knows that the devil has instigated his practices in the world, and they're very, very dangerous. God also goes on, I'm just showing you some of the various verses. Leviticus 19.31, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. And so many people view those things as old-fashioned, but I'm telling you today, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, I'm going to, I'm not going to read all of this. I realize I think I put too many quotes in here. That's okay. Uh, but I'll just read a couple sentences. Patriarchs and Prophets. The belief in co- uh, communion with the dead is still held even in professedly Christian lands. So that's talking about spiritualism and modern times. So I'm not going to read the rest of that. But I want to show you. I mean, I just pulled these up just this morning. And there are um, a number of articles. You just go up there and, and, and Google it. How to communicate with the dead. Is communicating with the dead so popular today? This one was just written in uh, just this year. Uh, I believe October 25, 2021. How to communicate with your deceased loved ones. Contacting the dead during the thinning of the veil. They're talking about certain times of the year when the veil between us and them gets thinner. And guess what one of those time periods are? Halloween, of course. All Saints Day, right? And so, uh, here's another one I found. Now, science is embracing this as well. She says, I'm a doctor, and here's why I think it's possible to communicate with the dead. It's very interesting that many people who engage in this have lost loved ones that they want to reach out to. Isn't that very sad? And I think it's interesting. Uh, There's another program that just went off the air a year or two ago that it was very popular for a number of years, Long Island Medium. How many of you have watched this program? (laughs) I'm tricking you. How many of you have heard of this program? All right, several of you have heard of it. And um, 
If anybody raised their hand, I was going to say, come up for prayer. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'll meet with you afterwards. But Long Island Medium is a very, I've never seen it, but I've just read about it. But uh, there was a lady that was from Long Island, New York, and she used to walk up to people and she would, just strangers on the street, and she would say, um, did you have a loved one die in the last six months? What? Yes, I did. You were very fond of that person, weren't you? Oh, yes, I was. And she would start to describe, it was your father, wasn't it? Yes, my father died. You know, he came to me just now when I saw you and he wanted me to tell you that he loves you and those words that you always wanted him to speak, he also regrets not ever saying them or just whatever. I'm just making stuff up. But she would say very, very detailed things to people and, you know, this kind of stuff, I mean, there's all kinds of programs like this now. There's one on NBC called Medium. And the, what these programs are doing, the devil knows we're at the end of time. We're told in the book of Revelation and other places that at the end of time, the devil will ramp up his deceptions in the world. And what he's doing through these seemingly innocent, and notice this, also helpful programs and books and magazines and so forth, is he is getting the world to become sympathetic with his ways. They, we are, we are uh, instilling confidence in these things. And in the world today, people will say to you, well, look, what this woman has done brought comfort to that person. How can it be so bad? See, the devil is playing on the emotions of people in the world today. He's playing on their mind. He's pulling their heartstrings. He's taking the most vulnerable circumstances of their lives and using them as a, as a detour to get them to practice things that God has forbid rather than trusting in God's plan and in the truthfulness of His Word. See? Very, very sad. Uh, I do want to read this. I think this is the one. Uh, yeah, it says, this is from the book Preacher and Prophets also. Modern spiritualism resting upon the same foundation is but a revival and new form of the witchcraft and demon worship that God condemned and prohibited of old. It is foretold in the Scriptures which declare that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. I mentioned that verse yesterday. Paul, in his second letter to Thessalonians, points to the special working of Satan and spiritualism as an event to take place immediately before the advent of Christ. Speaking of Christ's second coming, he declares that it was after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. 2 Thessalonians 2.9 And Peter describes the same thing. And people today are chasing after it. I remember my grandpa a number of years ago. He believed that uh, my uncle had, uh, was uh, unable to have a child and for years they tried and finally uh, she got pregnant, his wife. And after a few months, the baby actually passed away. They lost the baby. And my grandpa was sitting in his living room. Did I tell you this story already? No, I didn't think so. My grandpa was sitting in his living room and he said, he's in the middle of the night, he often stay up late. My grandpa would watch all kinds of horror movies. I used to watch them with him as a kid. It was very terrible. But uh, he said the door of the bedroom opened and out came a little boy about this tall, glowing, and he said he came over and he walked past my grandpa and smiled at him. 
And he went over in the living room and sat down and began playing with toys that were on the floor there. And my grandpa said, for a week, every night, that little boy came to visit me. And he told me, he looked me in the eye, and he said, I am absolutely certain that was my grandson coming and visiting me. Because he knew my heart was so broken, I know it was him. Very interesting. And I could not convince my grandfather otherwise. I said, but grandpa, the Bible says, and he was acquainted with the Bible. He says, I, he says whatever it says, I just know that that was him. And he put his confidence in that, and he kept watching those kind of programs. When my grandma died, he went to a medium to try to contact her because he wanted to speak to her again. He wanted to apologize for some of the things he had done in his life. Genuine, genuine uh, motive. He goes to that thing, and he goes like three or four times, and some weird stuff happens, and he begins to see things flying around in his house and this kind of thing. About a year later, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He's laying on his deathbed. I visited him three days before he died. And I was appealing to him to, to, to receive Christ and make sure his life was right with God. And he kept saying to me, I just don't know. I'm so confused. I just don't understand. And he said, uh, why does God allow bad things to happen to people? Uh, I, I, why is this happening to me? I'm just confused. He, he had, his mind had been eaten away by this stuff. And he was in total confusion. Why would God allow me to see my grandson but, not, but, but give me cancer? He was just confused. And it's very, very sad. And let me tell you, the devil hates your guts enough to play on your emotions in the last days. He hates your guts enough to do everything he can to deceive your kids and your grandkids because he'd like to see you all dead. He's got no interest in you except that he can use you to deceive others and deceive yourself. Look at this. <clears throat> what should we put our trust in? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20 to 24. But now Christ is risen from the dead. Amen? And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. If you ever were questioning the state of the dead doctrine? For since man by man came death, that's Adam. By man, that's Christ, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ's when? At His coming. Then comes the end when He delivers the kingdom to God the Father and He puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. Those authorities and powers He's talking about are the powers of darkness that are seeking to deceive people in the last days. And he says, this is where we find our hope, amen? We don't put our hope in crystal balls or tarot cards or whatever it is. We put our hope in the living Christ who's returning for His people. That might mean we have to wait a little bit. That might mean we have to, to suffer at times. We might have to go through grief and, and, and sadness and, 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 and struggles and battles in this life. But God's plan is always best. We need not take things into our own hands. What do you say? We have the hope of the power of the resurrection of Christ. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead can be alive in us today. How do you think that's great? Let's go back now. Leviticus, we're, we're about to the last little piece here, segment. We should be done by 11.30. No, I'm kidding. We won't be too much longer. Leviticus 20, verse 27. 
A man or a woman who is a medium or has a familiar spirit shall surely be put to want death. They shall stone them with stones and their blood shall be upon them. Man, this was serious stuff. Very serious stuff. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the dead know not what? Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5 and 6. The dead, the living know that they will die, but the dead know not anything. And they are in the grave. And any form or fashion of those coming back from the dead, we know are deceiving spirits and angels of Satan. Yes or no? I mean, there's just no question about it. We don't have to wonder about it. Saul, the king of Israel, forgot about this. And I wanted to go through this passage in depth, but we're not going to have time. But you can go and you can read about it. And uh, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 28. I might touch on a few verses here. And this is when Saul, at the end of his life, he goes and consults a what? He goes and consults a medium. And God had, had already warned him. And it's very interesting because Saul got to a place of desperation. Why, did he, why was he in desperation? Because he had continually and repeatedly rejected what? The Word of the Lord. He had continually thought his ways were better. And, and he did that so much, he got to a place of desperation. And Samuel the prophet was his only connection with God. And what happened to Samuel? He died, right? He died. And so Saul is at the worst desperation of his life. Darkness has enclosed his mind and his heart. The armies of the enemy had surrounded his camp, and he knew that the end was near, or that fate was going to put an end to it. The Bible says Samuel died, verse 3, and all Israel lamented for him. And Saul went to the witch of Endor, and uh, he said, there's a woman who is an indoor. So he disguised himself. And she even said to him, you know I can't do this for you because Saul has commanded that they, all the witches be driven out. So Saul was going against his, even his own word at that point. Not just the word of the Lord, but his own word. And went to do this. He disguised himself. He's full of deception. And we know that he, she does a seance for him and calls up. Now notice... He says in verse 11, she says, what do you want me to do for you? He said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out in a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And she said, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. Didn't say that she drummed up Samuel, but a spirit. What is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up and he's covered with a mantle. And Saul did what? Perceived that it was Samuel. <clears throat> he believed what he wanted, despite what the Lord said. Now do you think if, a, if some spirit appears to you and it's old Grandma May and she says, look, I have this mole on my hip. Don't you remember that mole? How many think the devil can recreate that? If Grandpa Bill says to you, no, do you remember that time that we snuck off Together, and we went down to the ice cream shop and nobody ever knew. Oh, that must be evidence because no one ever knew, but here he is and he's telling me. You think the devil didn't know that? The devil knows all those things and he will tell you the most secret, intimate things and he will deceive. It's a deception, you see. <clears throat> and so we know the fate of Saul. He ended up dying 
And uh, it was a great disaster. I want to say more, but I can't. But let me just read this. This is from Patriarchs and Prophets. By the prediction of Saul's doom given through the woman of Endor, Satan planned to ensnare the people of Israel. He hoped that they would be inspired with confidence in the sorceress and would be led to consult her. Thus they would turn away from God as their counselor and place themselves under the guidance of Satan. The lure by which spiritualism attracts the multitudes is his pretended power to draw aside the veil from the future and reveal to men what God has hidden. Isn't that interesting? God reveals to us what the future says through what? Through prophecy. And reveals it at the time we need to know, you see. Either through Bible prophecy or through a living prophet, whichever one. But the people got ahead of themselves and they wanted to know, see. And God has given everything a time and a place. So let me ask you, so the devil's attempt through the Saul, Saul seeking the witch of Endor was to get all the other people to believe that that was a good thing to do. Is that what he's doing today? He's doing it today. Now I'm going to skip past this. Now I want to make this point, and uh, I know time is running thin. I see some of y'all starting to yawn. Are you, are you guys awake? Are you sure? First, Corinthians, uh, First Chronicles 10, verse 13. Notice this. So Saul died for his unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord. So that encompasses everything that he did, doesn't it? Right? So it says he died because of his unfaithfulness. And notice what it then does. It says, and also because he consulted a medium for guidance, and he did not inquire of the Lord, therefore the Lord killed him. Listen, the Bible, I, I found this interesting pattern that the Bible will speak of kings, and specifically here Saul, and it'll say they did all this stuff, uh, all these acts of unfaithfulness and all these acts of obedience, and then it'll say, and witchcraft. It's almost like witchcraft is in a category of its own. It's, and it's, it's its own section. And why is that the case? I'm going to go past all this. Why is God straightforward and strong-handed about this? This statement here from the manuscripts makes it very clear and is very powerful. Notice this. She says, We've been pained as we have been brought to our notice. Papers, advertisers of sorcery and witchcraft, the work of magicians, and all this sort of thing. There, in these manifest there is in these manifestations of a power that is above human power. That's the power of Satan. And where is it? Is the power of Satan. And just as soon as you begin to bring yourselves in connection with these sorcerers and give them the least license, you dishonor the God of heaven and imperil your own souls. How is Satan working? Here come these magicians, and there is an itching curiosity to go and see. And when they go to see, notice this, they bring themselves in direct communication with the powers of darkness. This, this is... This is the key right here, and you can find this principle all throughout Scripture as well. It is this. <clears throat> when, you, when you disobey God, when you, when, you lose, when you lose your temper for a minute, does the devil gain a little access to your heart? Yes. And you can repent of that, and you're restored from that. Okay? In, in, in typical sin, whether it's lying or even adultery or whatever, even though you've sinned and the devil gains access to you, there's still a bit of a buffer between what he can do to you. 
Does that make sense? And that buffer is the grace of God, the protection of God. In all sin, this is the case. Now, I can eat away at that protection, and I can keep on sinning, keep on sinning until He does have direct access to me, but it takes a while, you see. With the sin of witchcraft and sorcery and spiritualism, there is no buffer. When I begin to practice that, I go directly into His presence, and He has immediate access to me. That's why when people play with Ouija boards and all that, you start to see stuff flying around their house and they're seeing things and all that kind of a thing. Now let me tell you, we get, He gets direct access to us and it's as if we're opening the door, removing the buffer, and walking right on and saying, hey devil, come and spin me on your merry-go-round. That's exactly what it is. Now you may say, well, whew, at least I know I'll never be doing any of that stuff. The stuff you might be watching on TV is doing the exact same thing. Stuff you think is innocent, and it's not. And I'll tell you about that on Thursday, and it'll be quite eye-opening, I think. Now, ah, uh, man, I wish I could. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to pick up tomorrow. Can we just do that? I'll pick this up tomorrow. But I want to... Um, I want to... Uh, let's see. I want to end. Where am I going to end? Don't look at the screen, because you're going to see the stuff I'll show you tomorrow. I'm going to end with this verse. Right here. And I'll say this verse again tomorrow. When they say to you, seek those who are mediums and wizards, who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek who? Their God. Should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? What do you think? No. To the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this Word, it is because there is no light in them. Now we often use that verse in evangelistic meetings to say we're going to be Bible-based in our meetings. But the context of that verse is spiritualism and contact with the dead. It's, it's modern occultism. It's very interesting. And God says, when they say, do this, should we not seek the Lord our God? How many of you think we should seek the Lord our God today? Amen? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what I want in my life today. How about you? Well, what do you think so far? You know, it's very eye-opening to see that some of the stuff that they did in ancient times that we just look upon as far past time is very active and prevalent in the world today, isn't it? And the devil knows this. And you may think, oh, it's going to decrease, but actually the Bible says it's only going to what? Increase. And if there was ever a time to be knowledgeable of the Word of God and to guard ourselves and our thoughts and what we choose to watch and what we choose to read and listen to is today. And, and, not, and it's not that we, we think that, that not doing those things is going to get us into heaven. But the truth is, is you, can, you can not do those things all day long and still be lost. But it's embracing the treasure of Jesus. Amen? It's letting Jesus live in our lives and let the resurrection power of Christ be dwelling in us and we'll be walking in the light and walking in the truth and walking in the, the glory of His Word. Amen? And the glory of His strength and His Spirit. How many of you want that in your life today? Alright, we'll be back tomorrow. Let's pray together. Father in Heaven, we thank You so much for this. Thank You for the truth that speaks to our hearts today. And maybe we find ourselves entrenched in these things. Maybe we find ourselves 
toying or playing with these things, may we uh, let go of that so that we can lay hold of Jesus who is our power and our strength, who's gotten the victory over those things. And we know that those are just gimmicks, but strong deceptions in the end from the enemy. And Lord, we would have ourselves walking with You and rejoicing in Your truth and trusting in Your plan and not deviating from that or believing ourselves or setting ourselves up, but that we would submit ourselves to the One who had our best interests in mind, who has our best good in mind, when You died on the cross for us. Because of that act, we can trust You and we can believe in Your plan today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Let everyone say, Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org audio22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.